That sample from Tranquility to Doom is off of the new album, Doom Crew, Inc., the 11th album by Black Label Society. And that song is called Set You Free. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine, and this is the Goldmine Podcast, proud member of Pantheon Podcast Group. Goldmine Magazine is the music collector's magazine that's been around since 1974. You can go to goldminemag.com and check out exclusive content. Pick up the magazine, the print edition at Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and go to our shop, our record shop, at shop.goldminemag.com. At shop.goldminemag.com. So we'll have Zach Wilde, the guitarist, of Black Label Society on the podcast today. He will talk about the brand new album, Doom Crew Inc. We'll go over songs on the album. We'll talk a little bit about Ozzy, of course, and Randy Rhodes getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we'll be right back with Zach Wilde after this message from CygnusRadio.com. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine. The Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. So how are you? I'm doing great. Sitting there hanging out talking with you. So congratulations on the new record. Thank you very much, my brother. It's the 11th album, right? 11th album of each record just gets more into calorie burning, aerobic dancer size <laughs> riffage. Yeah, without a doubt. Time flies, man. I can remember you joining Ozzy and now here we are. I know, 30 plus years later, man. Yeah, it's it's insane. But um, you stated that, I like this quote from you, the main ingredient in any black label soup is the riff. For me, a perfect example of that is how you uh, set you free begins uh, with a nice tranquil acoustic sound. And then all of a sudden, bam, comes in the classic. Yeah, then that's, that's exactly. It's just the flowers and the chocolate that you give your girlfriend. And then, you know, then it goes into the reality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It goes into reality. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! The crunchy riff, reality, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and you, you mentioned, you know, obviously, you have the Sabbath influence, but uh, I see a sort of uh, with the riffs, like into the void, sort of influence, which I love. Um, that kind of riff, destroying, conquer, has that kind of riff. Um, yeah, I, I think I think with all, you know, with Black Label, you know, like whenever we're talking about bands that we love or whatever, or any band in general, I mean, I'm just saying like when you have uh, with like, let's say the Black Crows or whatever, me and you were eating, you know, I always refer to it as the, the, the soup, you know what I mean? Like when you're eating a Black Crow soup, it's just like, boss, what are you tasting in there? You're like Rolling Stones, Humble Pie, Almond Brothers. You know what I'm saying? Where you, like you could taste it in the, that's what that soup is or what that cocktail is. You know what I mean? When you're asking for a Guns N' Roses soup, it's just like early Aerosmith, 
punk attitude, you know, what, stuff like that. I mean, I'm, and stones, you know what I mean? That's, that's what you're tasting in that soup. You know what I mean? Like, like with guns and roses, if I'm, I'm not tasting any black Sabbath in that soup, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> None. You know what I mean? I, it's just like, no, I'm not tasting any of that now, but I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it's where all the influences come from. I mean, it, it, and it's, I, you know, and I always tell kids, you know, they're like, uh, do you have any advice for my kids or whatever? It's just like, yeah, whatever it is you, that you love and whatever music moves you, then that's what you should be playing. Right. Cause I remember, you know, being in Jersey, it was just like, you know, when, we were, when, when I was in Zyrus, I mean, it, we, it was literally one on one on how not to ever make it, you know what I mean? Cause like, here we are in this band, I remember the singer, Johnny, he loved bad company. He loved Aerosmith. He loved Zeppelin. He loved uh, Skinner, who everything like that. And then Donnie was like completely into Zeppelin and everything. I love Sabbath. And, I, and all I remember is we were the furthest thing from any of the bands that we loved and that moved us and that we were really into all we were doing was trying to write really bad Bon Jovi songs. And none of us listened to any Bon Jovi, would never buy a Bon Jovi record, would never. It's like, but that's what was popular. And if you think you, if you want to get a record deal, that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but we don't even like this music. I, would, would, I don't even I, I wouldn't even be in a cover band of this band. This, you know, like if you're. It'd be like I said, we were doing Bruce Springsteen stuff. I'm going, but we we don't even have a horn player. And I mean, what are we doing? What are we, what are we? And it's like, well, Bruce Springsteen's popular, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and I always knew like guys that I, whereas I'm just saying, if I would have known back then, I'd be making like this Doom Crew record back then when I was 18 years old, because this is what I'm into. Right. I mean, like everything that I'm tasting in that soup, I'm tasting Sabbath. I'm tasting Almond Brothers. I'm tasting whether it's any Zeppelin type stuff or mountain or cream, you know, cause I always say like Mount Riffmore, you got cream mountain, Sabbath, Zeppelin, deep purple. I, I'm just saying like, that's, those are the right. Kings of the riff. And I'm just saying like, why am I playing this kind of, it, it doesn't even, I'm not, I wouldn't even buy a record by this band. You know what I mean? Whatever, you know, whatever's popular at the time, you know, and I would tell kids, I go, it just, you know, when, Bon, at least Bon Jovi is doing what they believe in and what they bleed and what naturally comes to them. That's why it's successful right. because it's honest. You know what I mean? So they're, they're not trying to, they're doing what they love playing. And then like, so the whole thing is slippery when wet is the biggest thing on the planet. Then they're everyone, every record company is telling guns and roses. You guys need, you should be more like this. And they're like, yeah, but we, like early Aerosmith and the Stones and everything, like that's what we're into and punk rock and whatever, you know, it's just like, but you're never going to get signed or whatever. So, but they just, no pun intended, stuck to their guns and just did their thing. <laughs> and then, then while Guns N' Roses becomes the biggest band in the world, they're telling Soundgarden, they need to be more like Guns N' Roses. And Chris is like, but that's not what I do. You know right. what I mean? We're not like Guns N' Roses. And then, you know, and then here comes Soundgarden turns into this big thing. And then they're telling Green Day they need to be more like Soundgarden. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and Green know. Day's like, that's not what we do, though. You know, I mean, I'm saying so you, you'll you always be a day late and a dollar short and you'll be miserable anyways. So you might as well just play what you did plan. And, if, okay. and you know, if people like it. Great. But at least you got to play what you like, man. You know, because eventually you're going to end up playing what you like. 
You know, I mean, if say if that Bon Jovi band did become successful, right? The Bon Jovi type band that you were talking about, eventually you're going to say, man, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. Because you're going, I, I can't, I can't stand this stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Cause it's not, it's not real. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, I mean, any of the songs I write are just, I, I don't, I don't plan on writing a song like that. It's just like right. whatever's coming out that day or whatever we find, you know, that's what naturally comes out of you. You know what I mean? So or whatever way you get inspired, you know? So, I mean, but it's just like, you get, just got to play what you love, man. Well, you're keeping that tradition alive, that sound, because a lot of kids, uh, you know, they don't know who Deep Purple is. I know that sounds funny, but it's kind of true sometimes. They, so they can know you guys as that sort of sound. They can I guess, you know, I mean, but you can't, you can't force somebody to like something. No. You know what I mean? I'm saying, for, you know, like for younger kids, if they, you know, younger guitar players, if they don't like blues, if it doesn't move them, Right. You can't push it on them. You know, you can't go, well, here, let me, let me teach you how to play Red House. You know what I mean? And just show them how to play some cool phrasing blues-esque licks. They're like, yeah, it's boring to me, though. You know what I mean? I'm just saying you can't. Nobody forced me to like the music I like. So and It's different you, today. They get it from Spotify, whereas we went to the record store, right, and looked through albums. If we saw a cool album cover, oh, this band has got to be pretty good. Yeah, and then you'd be thoroughly <laughs> disappointed. I remember, I remember Blasco. Blasco told me what he bought. Like, I mean, I love Molly Hatchet. I think they're great. But I, you know, and I love Dave Hubex. His guitar playing is amazing. And uh, but it's just like he said he bought those covers because you know because with the with the berserker on the cover and everything like that, you know, with the with the artwork, yeah. he put it on. He's like what is this? He thought it was going to be like some, some death metal band. You know what I mean? He's just like, right. what is this? <laughs> oh my God. This is Southern rock. He's just like, oh, no, this ain't for me, man. But uh, no, but that was how you, I mean, that's how I got on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. I remember, never heard him. I was a huge Elton John guy. I still am. I still love Elton. And, uh, but I remember when I was 11 years old, we had art class. My buddy, Tommy had, it was Scully, actually, you know, just the, the jawless skull. And it had a lightning bolt through it, and it said Black Sabbath, 666. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. What is that? And he goes, oh, it's a band my older brother was supposed to. Mm -hmm. And so I remember uh, I was at the mall, and my mom was like, if you want to get a record, you can get a record. I was like, all right, thanks, Mom. So I ended up getting, uh, we sold our souls for rock and roll. Right. It had to be the double album, right? You can get one <laughs> record. I got the double album. But uh but anyways, I remember putting that on and being beyond terrified because I'd never even heard him. I'd never even right. heard one song by him, but I, I just, that thing looked cool. So I ended up getting, buying the record. But, uh, and that was the thing. Yeah. Uh, and then, no, but I just kept listening to it and listening to it more. And then eventually they became my, my favorite band. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so, but, uh, you know, and then I went back and got all the records after that. You know what I mean? But it's just like, yeah, I, I, it, well, it's just different, you know, you can't, it's just evolution and you can't force, you can't force people to like can't. whatever. You just can't. Especially your kids, you know, because you got to think back, you know, because a parent can do that. Say, no, this, you don't want to listen to this. Well, check this out. Our son, Sabbath, he's yeah. nine years old, plays a piano, and his favorite band is the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, uh, Led Zeppelin. Uh, 
Black Sabbath. Like he asked him anything about classic rock, about the birds. You ask him about this, that he'll, he could actually tell you, like, I mean, it's like being on Jeopardy. That's mind blown. Nine years old, but he loves that music. Yeah. Like I didn't have to push it on him. He's like, dad, have you, you know, the doors, whatever, you know, he's just like that. Did you know that the doors started in 19, you know, 62 or whatever and blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, when the band started, the Yardbirds, you know, dad, Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, they were all on the Yardbirds and everything. You're like, knows all this stuff. It's like, and I'm not pushing any of it on them. It's a great feeling for a parent. I mean, but yeah, it's, it's, like no, it's, it's definitely sports. cool. It's music, you know. It's yeah, totally. Another thing I love that you do that a lot of heavy bands, I feel they should do more. Um, because nowadays it's all as fast as you can, as loud as you can. But I love how you have this these tempo changes. Um, and there's some nice tempo changes in your music um, that have that what Sabbath did a lot. I guess that comes from jazz, the tempo changes, but. um, Yeah, that's where obviously where Tony got it from, you know, I mean, totally, you know, without a doubt. And Sabbath integrated that into their, into their music for sure. I mean, it's refreshing nowadays to to hear that. Um, I know. But you know what though? I mean, at the end of the day, no matter what band it is, you know, like whether we're listening to the, the Stones, or you listen to the Beatles, like back in the day, when it, it, the Stones are coming out with a new record, it's not about how bludgeoning it is, how heavy it is. How, it's just like, are the songs any good? Yeah. yeah. Any band, whether it's Stone Temple Pilots or it's, you know, it's Soundgarden or like any any band that is. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, the new Green Day record. I mean, if anybody's buying a Green, Green Day fans will go. They're just concerned with like, oh, how's the new record? It's like, oh, new, there's great songs on a new record. You know what I mean? It's just it, like a Beatles record. Right. You know, no one's worried about it, it, how heavy it is. And I mean, the same thing with Sabbath. I mean, being in doing Zach Sabbath, it just solidifies it every time we do one, you know, when we do another run, when we do like six weeks of, throughout Europe or America or whatever, when we're doing a Zach Sabbath run, it, it's just how am- amazing the songs are. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's not the, oh man, did you hear the new Sabbath record? It's even heavier than the last. It's like, no, it's just, it's always how great are the songs? Well, me, you know what I mean? And to me, it's not just the songs, the riff. Um, That's what I love about Black Label Society is the riff. And uh, Gospel of Lies reminds you of, uh, it's it's so, it it almost has that, like, did you ever like a band called Trouble? Um, yeah, actually, I know the guys. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. did. I've seen some the guys do some stuff in the past and everything like that. Yeah, totally. They take and, and the fellas. Yeah, I mean, everybody. We all come from Sabbath University. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Lord, I only riff University. Yeah, one of the singer, unfortunately, the original guy just passed away, Eric Wagner. Um, but I love when it takes you sort of like take the Sabbath riff and you even make it a little slower. Like it's really doom. <laughs> no, totally. It's just, yeah, it's a very, well, it's just introducing you to marriage. You know what I mean? Just getting you ready. <laughs> <laughs> What's oh, the name of this God. opening riff? Marriage. No, I just, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just <laughs> the reality check. <laughs> no, but yeah, it, it just, um, yeah, totally. And once again, it's just your point what you love. You know what I mean? There's, I mean, like I said, what's in that soup? It's like tons of Sabbath floating around all over the place. 
And I love in the soup also ballads. I mean, here you have Forever in a Day, Love Rain Down. Love Rain Down reminds you of the Allman Brothers, man, with the piano. Oh, the Hammond and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you that's straight out of, you know, you have I envision Greg and Dwayne, you with the lead being more like, you know, Dwayne and, yeah, totally. and the piano being Greg. Exactly. Oh, I mean, and other fans would go nuts over that song. I dig it, brother. Yeah. Um, and what another thing great about that is that, you know, your guitar, anybody's guitar leads, right? Stick out more when you have that nice, smooth undercurrent, right? And you have these really stinging guitar leads going on. Um, it's, it, 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 to me, it just uh, emphasizes that guitar lead even more even more so than in a heavy song. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I totally. And, and you're, and uh, love rain down and also the last song. On a farewell ballad. Yeah. 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 Finally got around to finishing that one. So, you know, that's been sitting around for like 10 years or whatever. 10 Has it? Years. Yeah, I did what I, I, I wrote the intro music to the D C B flat to a, a major, the, just that those chords just a solo or something for guitar techniques magazine back in like 2010. Like you can see it on YouTube or whatever. And I remember I was over in London when I did it, but uh, I never got around to finishing it. It was just, you know, something for me to solo. Over. Right. So I ended up using those chords and then just, I said, you know what, let me just, let me just, let's put this on the next record. I'm just going to finish it. Let me just write something. Let me see what I want to write it about. And then, cause it was called farewell ballad. So I just ended up, we kept calling a farewell ballad. And I said, all right, let me just come up with some lyrics for this thing. So is it melody? And now it's finally done. It's great with the headphones on. Yeah, without a doubt. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as the lyrics, what uh, inspires you with writing lyrics? Um, well, no, for I mean, instance, what is the, who is the you in uh, You Made Me Want to Live? Well, I remember I, I was reading, I saw something about somebody who had passed away yeah. and just reading all the comments of everyone that was saying things about this, about this person that had passed away. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, cause all these people that were touched by this guy. Right. And I was just, and I, so basically those were, that's what the, the inspiration for those lyrics came through. Wow. You know, and some of them are actually some things that people had said, I actually used them almost kind of like, as lyrics so uh you know but that was the inspiration for that you know just there and but then again I, when i was looking at the lyrics it could be you could flip it around to something as like substance abuse or anything like that you know what i mean right. whether you know whether it's alcohol or drugs or anything like that or or you know or somebody that you loved and somebody that's gone so uh like you said it's it Cause I've had people come up to me saying, Oh man, Zach, those lyrics speak to me or, you know, they, and tell me what the lyrics mean to them. Yep. Something completely different than what I wrote the song about. Right. You know what I mean? So that, that's the great thing about lyrics. You know what I mean? If they right. take the metaphors that are in the lyrics and, and they actually, they get something out of it and, you know, it inspires them, then that that's all that matters. You know what I mean? It makes it, that's what makes it art, man. It uh, means so many different things to so many different Yeah. Things. And if it inspires you to, to, to better yourself or, or it picks you up, you know, out of the darkness or whatever, then that, that's all that matters. And um, I love how you emphasized that 
the dual guitar melodies and uh dario really uh, is up to the task here i think you and him doing those dual guitar melodies you know judas priest like yeah um, or the almond brothers i mean you know yeah, the yeah. almonds the almonds there's a reason why you have two guitar players in the band you know what i mean i mean when you when it comes to priest and almond brothers there's a reason why so i mean like making this record you know it started creeping in more it's just more of an evolution that that we're mm -hmm. at where we're at now but i mean uh you know like on when we were doing like catacombs of the black vatican in 2014 my dying time i started putting harmonies in that one so like you would need two guitar players to do it you know like thin lizzie you need two guitar players to play all those harmonies it's just you know that's part of the sound like the almond brothers it's part of the sound so um you know there's a lot of things and now you know i mean before it was a necessity too because i'm when i'm playing piano i need somebody playing guitar you know what i mean so but yeah dario's an amazing player i mean dario's got everything he's got feel he's got chops he does dishes he does laundry he sings <laughs> he plays piano he makes an amazing chicken piccata he doesn't use salt he uses capers that's his secret he says but uh you know so it's it's all good man so um but yeah, he's kid dynamite. And, you know, so even when, even when we're 85 years old, we're still going to be calling him kid dynamite. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, how Ronnie's always the youngest guy in the band and the new guy in the stones. Mind you, he's been in the stones for 63 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's oh just, my God. just these little things that make the song um, ruins and uh, gather all my sins. These little like, uh, dual guitar harmonies like in the beginning were just i yeah, thought totally. were very yeah it's like very almonds kind of yeah i even I mean? thought of rock rolla by judas priest which is an album i love that um old school uh two guitar melody yeah totally with the major thirds and everything like that yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a lot of fun man i mean it's definitely a, it adds adds a whole nother color for sure and I want to ask you, what what is it about, besides being convenient, because it's in your house, uh, the Black Vatican uh, for the sound of Black Label Society? Well, no, it's just, I mean, for me, I, you know, I, I think, you know, when my wife was the one that said, we, we should just get you a studio up there. So then it's just because it's cost effective. You know what I mean? Because by the time you end up doing, you build the studio after you do the one album, it's already paid for itself. You know what I mean? Because then. It's just, you don't have to pay for the, the studio time. Right. So, you know, but, um, but, but, no, it it's just, but even though, even though I have it up there, I don't, right. I don't, I'm not like Prince where I spend all day <laughs> in the Vatican and I, I, I've got like, you know, a catalog of 60,000 songs where I, I, when we're going to make the record, you know, we, that's when I'm, I'm getting ready to do the record. You know what I mean? So it's just like, even, even though I may be writing all the time, if I get inspired, if I hear an acoustic thing or whatever, if I hear wild horses or something, then I, I just pick up my guitar, my acoustic, and I write, you know, something like, you know, Forever in a Day or Love Rain Down or whatever, after hearing a, a cool song like that, like Wild Horses or whatever, and then you get inspired. It's like, uh, I'll put it on my phone or something like that. But like, when we're going to do it for real, we'll track it and then, you know, the guys will come out and then we'll put everything to it. But usually, I, but once we're going to do it, then I'm done. You know, kind of like if you were my agent and I'm, I'm, I'm an author and I write books, 
like let's say if I just wrote Jaws and I just after we're done with it and you're like Zach, we're gonna make it into a movie and this and that. Oh great. And then it's like, but after that, I'm I'm done writing for a little while. You know what I mean? Just want to get away for a little while and just put it down. And then I'm gonna come up with it. You know, once I get inspired again, it's like I think I'm gonna write this book about some kid that got possessed. I was reading. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about writing something like that. I'm thinking I'm going to call it the exorcist or something like that. You know what I mean? So then that'll be the next book I'm going to write. So, but I don't, I'm not constantly writing, but you know, it's just like, I need to it like almost kind of like at the end of the season, you know what I mean? Or the end of, you know, like once, once we're done with football season, whether we had a terrible season, whether we won a Super Bowl, like after the last game, like I need like, at least two weeks, no lifting weights, no nothing, no football, no nothing, you know, and then, then I'm going to start getting back to hitting the gym and then doing what I got to do. But I just want to take, give my body a break for a second. But uh, yeah, so that, I mean, that's how I'll, when we're writing the records or when I'm recording up at the studio, even though I have a home studio, I'm not in there recording songs every day. But it's, it's almost like, like you would tune a guitar to give it your sound that studio gives you that black label society sound yeah without that i mean but you know i mean i've always loved whether whatever studio it is we've ever I like into. going into a, another studio that you're not familiar with and having to find that sound you know you're already yeah but i mean but if, if you go into any studio that's got good equipment you'll be fine mm. you know what i mean so and you know not only that it's said <clears throat> different locations is just a change of pace, you know what I mean? But, but I mean, it is convenient having your own studio, though. Do you guys like uh, performing as if you were live in the studio, or do you, do you like this new thing where you someone can record a riff and send it to you? Um, yeah, well, no, I mean, the way we do it now, <clears throat> everything that you've heard on that record, yeah, I recorded it first, you know, like double track my guitars, did everything I wanted to do, and then it's all to a click and then whether we had to slow down or whatever i slow the click down we'll get to that part and then uh and what i do is i'll record all the guitar part double them so it's what you're hearing on that record and it's done and then when the fellows come out to the vatican jeff will listen to the song whether it's like set you free and he goes i goes that uh, jeff he's just gonna have a little acoustic guitar intro kind of thing and then we all come Barreling in right on one, you know what I mean. So it's like nah, right into the riff. He's like, okay, cool. What's this part here? Oh, that's the the pre-course. He's like, why don't we do a halftime thing there? All right, cool. Let's do halftime there. And then here's the main riff again. You know, the, that'll be the chorus. All right, cool. And then you know, like, and just the arrangement of the song. And then he goes, all right, let me. Jeff will sit there and play air drums to it while we're sitting in the control room. And then he's like, all right, let me go in there and do this thing. He, he takes a couple passes at it and he's like, all right, done. You know, Jeff will come in, we'll listen to it. He's like, yeah, this is great. All right, done, finish, next song. You know, there is no, we don't we don't sit in a rehearsal room for two weeks going over these songs. We we wait, that's that's what rehearsals boot camp is for when we're getting ready for the tour. Right. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, so, I mean, it's fresh. I mean, fresh, those donuts are fresh right out of the, right out of the <laughs> oven, man. You know what I mean? So it's just like, here it is. Almost got, you know, like when Sabbath did Paranoid, there was no rehearsals for that. They did that right in the studio. Yep. We, guys, we need like four more minutes to fill out the. Re- All right, you got anything? 
Well, let me see what I can come up with. And Tony was like, down, 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 down. that's cool. And then this will be the intro. Then we'll all come in. Down, 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 down. That'll be the verse. Down, 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 down. Ozzy's like, all right, keep playing. Let me sing something out of it. You know, and Ozzy sings something. Giza writes the lyrics. Ozzy sings it. Done. Finished. No rehearsals. You know what I mean? They're just yeah, like. They're on a clock. Yeah. But I mean, you, you know, you surround yourself with good musicians. that Everybody knows what they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, do you, do you ever go back and it um, sometimes it amazes me that some musicians or artists don't like to listen to their old music until they play it live, or whatever, but they don't go back and listen to their albums. Do you ever revisit like sitting in your house and just chill out and listen to some old black? Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's 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 cool to listen to some of it sometimes. I mean, you know, I mean, like uh, I'm trying to think like. I mean, what, what I'll listen back to now, I mean, you, you know, obviously, I think with every band and every artist, whatever, I mean, I'm sure whether it's Neil Young down to Keith Richards, he could he could listen to the product. I'm sure he listened to the production on Paint It Black. And as the production, you know, as their early, from their earlier records, as it was going along to the time they got the Gimme Shelter all yeah. throughout the 70s, where he could go, yeah, I like the production better on these, you know, you know, you listen to the early production, it is what it is. And you, you're doing it, you're giving it the best shot you got. You know what I mean? But you could you could hear the production on the earlier recordings, you know, that you like, ah, oh, man, I wish I got, I wish the production was up to snuff like it is now. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like John Paul Jones even said, <clears throat> they asked him what, what would be, if somebody had never heard Zeppelin, what album would you give them to listen to? He said the first one. Hmm. He said, everything's on it. You know, like the acoustic stuff, the heavy stuff, the, like every every move that we had is right. on that record. Right. He said, and but John Paul Jones said the only thing that I don't like about that, it, it you could it sounds dated. You know, the production with the reverb and the, this, you know right. what I mean? Like it sounds like that time period. <clears throat> you know, like when you look at clothes, or you look at other pictures, or we look at motion pictures, and you can just see by the cars that are in the movie, <laughs> you know what you know, or a television show. You right. go, Zach, let me take a guess. And I go, take a guess what year. And you're like, 74. And then, you know, we'll look at the thing on TV and he goes, 1975. You're like, told you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we're watching Kojak or whatever. You know what I mean? You like, you know what year the, the episode is from, you know, because you could tell by the fashion and yeah. you could tell by the clothes. You could tell by the cars. You could tell, you know. So, I the mean, that's soundtrack. what, yeah, that's what, well, that's what John Paul Jones's reference was to that first record. You know, he said right. it sounds like it's from 1969. Like when he listens to, you know, and he's, as he can hear the production going on with the records, it sounds more and more dialed in, you know, although I love the production on my first record, but I mean, it's just, uh, you know, when I, when I listen back to earlier stuff. Well, I asked uh, Ian Hill, for instance, I'd like Rockarola, but I mean, it does, you know, it was their first album. So the production isn't great, but he, Said he yeah, like when you play. listen to rock and roll compared to Screaming for Vengeance, you he know said what I mean? He couldn't listen to it, even though he loved the songs. He could he couldn't listen to it, which is a shame. Like because you know, he said because of the production. Yeah. Yeah, it, I know bad. what you're saying. Those songs are great, and Halford sounds fantastic in it. Um, so yeah, sometimes it kind of ruins it for an artist, you're right, to hear a bad production of a it makes them feel regret, like, oh God, yeah. it made this so Wonderful. Yeah, but and the crazy thing is about it, when you look back, you know, for me, every record I've done, you go in with the best intention of making it sound as good. But I mean, 
with Black Label now, I mean, with me and JD, we every since, especially since Catacombs, since we put the Black Vatican up, Catacombs, I mean, uh, Order of the Black to now, I mean, it just seems like a whole other chapter in Black Label. Yeah, history. this album clicks. It just, mm. it, it, well, you want you want to get it so that every everything, regardless, whether I mean, for me, I mean, certain production for certain bands, it sounds good, whether it's you know, where there's more lo-fi or whatever. But I mean, you know, like, you know, ACDC after Back in Black. I mean, because you can hear the production on Highway to Hell is great, mm-hmm. and then Back in Black is just a step up from that. You know what I mean? It's a bigger bench press. You know, so like every, so there's no going back after that. I mean, every bench press now from that point on has to be at worst as good as back in black. You know what I mean? So you want to, you want it as far as the quality of the, the, the sonic, the overall sonic thing is it's not just the guitar you want, you know, cause I play guitar and I say, you know, you want, you want the bass to sound good. You want the drums to sound good. You want the vocals to sound, you know, you there's the, when you put it on, and I remember uh, John Sticks talking about with Zeppelin, he said, all I remember when I was a kid, when I listened to Zeppelin, he goes, and it wasn't that they were breaking any new ground or they, it was like, oh my God, I've never, what is this? I've never heard anything like this before. He said, it wasn't that. Everybody was doing blues at that point. You know what I mean? Because Cream just, Cream was owning it. You know what I mean? And right. then you had Hendrix and then you had everything. But I mean, Cream had already established with Sunshine of Your Love. I mean, at that, that that was it. Lights out, game over. That changed everything. So then that that kicked the door down for everybody. And then it was just, so it wasn't that Zeppelin was breaking any new ground. It was just that the way it, they were just making another cheeseburger. But it's mm-hmm. like, man, this is a really good cheeseburger. You know, like how, why is it so much better than all these other cheeseburgers? And, he, and it's the quality of it. Because he said, he goes, all I remember is listening to their record, going, their records sound better than everybody else's records. You know what I mean? Just the sound quality alone, just sonically. And uh, I remember John Sticks was saying that about that, that, that pop, glaringly popped out to him when, and you know, that was, even, that was when he was like 16 years old, 15, 16. He said, it just, I made that much of an impression on me, but it really is the truth. You know what I mean? And Jimmy Page always had that standard with Zeppelin, just the, the sound quality of the records. Well, nowadays, a big thing is uh, the anniversary of records and reissues. I mean, No More Tears has 30 years, 30th anniversary, if you could believe that. And yeah. they're reissuing it. And, you know, they always seem, uh, you, you referenced something about how, uh, like Prince had all these cuts that he never released. And then later... It's like Hendrix. You can go on forever, even after their death, releasing all these unreleased songs. Um, yeah. And I don't know if Black Label Society will ever do that, but uh, you know, No More Tears is coming out with uh, the 30th anniversary. It's a two LP. Have you heard that yet? No, I haven't heard it yet, but I mean, it's just uh, I'm trying to think, you know, because you got to, even with Sabbath, I remember asking Oz, like how many, he said, Zaggy, when we were doing our stuff, very rarely did we go in with 15 songs and, or 18 songs and record them. He goes, we pretty much had eight songs and we went in and did them. And that was it. No bonus tracks, no nothing. It's a weird thing. I mean, cause you know, like I, like this last, this album, 
I recorded, you know, with, with the fellas, we recorded probably about 30 songs, about 30 tunes. And I mean, 12 of them are on the record, but you know, like, so out of those 30, there's only 12 songs that have lyrics and me singing on them. The other ones, they, they have the, the guitars, they have bass and drums. Mm. They're just sitting there in the chamber, ready to go. But I still got to write. I got to get inspired enough to figure out what I want to write about. And then I got to, I got to sing on them. So well, they're, they not, be, they're not, they're not finished songs. So we couldn't re we couldn't release those right. as, you know, you would, you could release them as instrumental tracks. I mean, but there's no solos on them. There's no nothing. Cause the solos are always the last thing to go on. Right. You know, I do, I put the solos on after the vocals are done so I can get a sit back and get a complete picture of what I'm going to solo on. So, you know, when it gets to the solo, I, I can see what kind of mood I'm in when I get to that point. So, you know, what I want to paint, but I mean, uh, well, they could be like farewell ballot, right? They could be. Yeah. Well, you like you said, that. yeah, that was sitting around. I mean, love rain down. I wrote that back when we were doing no more tears. I wrote that right. about my mother when my mother passed away. So I wrote that on the piano. And so that song's been, that that version of it, we recorded it on Stronger Than Death, but I mean that was in 2000 or something like that. So, but we did a heavy version of it. So, but the actual piano version, I I wrote that in '91. Mm, wow! You know, so, but, pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty much when we were doing No More Tears. Does that piano um, influence come from Elton John that you were talking about before? Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, because that's the reason why you know. Uh, that was like my first seeing Elton say do Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds on Sonny and Cher. And I, I was the first time I, I got chills watching somebody play music. I, I was just like blown away by it and, and the power of music. So, uh, yeah. And then after that, I just, get, you know, my big thing was get every Elton John record I could possibly get, you know, just sit there and listen to it all the time. So, but um. Yeah, pretty mind blowing. But I, you know, I remember me and Barb got married. We got renewed our vows probably what two years ago, three years ago now maybe. But uh, but we went to Vegas and Ozzy and Sharon were there, and then we had all our friends there and stuff like that. Then renewed the vows. Then after that, we went and saw Elton John later that night. Mom, because she's good friends with him, and uh, so he did the show and and then we went back and met him. I had never met Elton before, but I had I have a book. An Elton John book I had since I was been since I've been eight years old. I remember my parents got it for me for Christmas, but I had uh, I had that book and yeah, I got them to sign. It was pretty amazing. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, because yeah. between Sabbath and Elton John, that's like my right. That's my two biggest influences right there. So I mean, it was just so it was like sitting there looking at Lennon and McCartney in front of me. You know what I mean? So it was pretty mind blowing. You should have given him some uh, vinyl. He's a big record collector. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> Give me some of your vinyl. Yeah, well, Elton had like Elton had like every bobblehead known to mankind, like in his backstage because it's a residency. Really? So he had his own dressing room there, and yeah, but he's like completely into bobbleheads, like all different. <laughs> doesn't matter, sports figures, actors, you know, whatever. Yeah. He's just like, let's check out this bobblehead. I got to get this thing. So he's like way into collecting bobbleheads too. Yeah, he did a story with us, Goldmine, about. Uh, just his record collection, how he, <laughs> what he just loves vinyl. Oh, big time. Everything. 45s, everything. Wow. Um, yeah. 
Oh, you're you're a big vinyl guy too, aren't you? Yeah, I got, I got vinyl at the house, man. I well, I still have all my old records when I was a kid and stuff like that. So yeah, it's know, good. Blizzard, Blizzard and Diary. I still have the original ones. <laughs> you know, when I had them and everything. All my Sabbath records and everything, with all the scratches in them and everything. It's good. <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of uh, Ozzy, um, Randy Rhodes is going to get finally a tribute in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, totally. That's it's well-deserved and it's been a long time coming. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was, I always think the, the rock and roll hall for, you know, the baseball hall of fame, football hall of fame, rock and roll hall of fame. I, I just think they're funny anyway. I mean, it's just cause like we can't put everybody in, in the same year. We already know who's supposed to be in there. Right. You know, it's like Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. I wonder if he's going to make it into the guitar hall of fame. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was in right after the first record man right. same with randy you know what i mean it's just like you know i wonder i wonder if sabbath's gonna make it into the rock and roll hall of fame. <laughs> come on man but we can't put everybody in in the same year then we won't have a reason yeah. to have a party next year for instance jethro tell's not in so well, like- i think we all know they're already in uh, you know i mean it's like saying <laughs> you know pete we know pete rose isn't in the hall of fame but we know he's in the Hall of Fame. You know right, what I mean? Right. Good statue, point. Yeah, they're going to have a bust. Of, we already know <laughs> Pete Rose has more hits than anybody. He has more hits than Ty Cobb. He's in. <laughs> now that's that. Exactly. You you don't need to have it in the uh, No, but we already know you're in. Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think we already know Tom Brady's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Right? He's already in. Just put him in now while he's still playing. You know what I mean? Just stop. So what's, what's the touring thing going to be like you know with the pandemic it gets tricky man it's um you hear of all these bands they'll go on start to tour yeah uh, what was called post pandemic now they had to cancel and it's um it's you know people want to see concerts but yeah i mean you hear about things like this 100 years ago but not you know we, as a generation we never experienced it no, I mean it, it's got to got to be crazy for like Oz and and Mick Jagger and Keith, you know, like and all those guys like seeing going. I never thought we'd ever see something like this. You know what I mean? It's just for them, they've got to be like, wow, this is like insane. You know what I mean? To go, yeah, to go. I thought we've never seen anything like this. You know what I mean? For those guys, so. But, um, you know, I mean, they did the Lollapalooza thing. You know, I had a hundred thousand people there, and you had uh, we just did Sturgis, and then we did um, what do we do? We did another festival out in Montana, and then uh, we just got done doing it. Yeah, we just got done doing a Blue Ridge Rock Festival out in uh, Virginia. Get a roll with the punches, you know. Yeah, without a doubt, and you know, just everybody, just take care of yourselves and do what you got to do, and you know, and you just hope for the best. That's all. You know, and then, like I said, anybody gets sick, and then you deal with it when it comes up. Well, best of luck with the new album, man. It's a good one. So I know you're a busy man. Yeah, <laughs> without that, I appreciate next- it, man. Well, you know, yeah. I got we got our dance classes coming up pretty soon. Paul Abdul's working with us. <laughs> Hire only the best. You know what I mean? She's going to whip us in tip-top shape. Yeah, sing with, with the stars. She worked with Janet Jackson and ZZ Top, so you can't get in none better. <laughs> so we got Paul Abdul coming out. She's going to whip us into shape so we got to you know come up with some new moves for the new tour we're coming up with a whole new set list everything like that so it's all good very cool man 
Hey, take care, man. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, my brother. Great talking to you. All right. Thanks. Zach. <laughs> you got it, brother. Bye, buddy. Thank you, Zach. And don't forget listeners to pick up the album Doom Crew Inc. The 11th album by Black Label Society. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine. Don't forget to go to goldmindmag.com for exclusive content. And also pick up the print edition at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. And go to our brand new record shop at shop.goldmindmag.com. And we'll see you next time on the Goldmine Podcast. Cheers! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.